listeners, you are listening to Spaghetti Heads Podcast. Okay, so today we are covering a little bit of backstory, but premise around actually the name of our podcast. Um, Yes, and I'm glad we're doing this because I was surprised. I thought that this whole men are like waffles, women are like spaghetti thing was a common, like I thought this was something everyone... Like a cliche. Yes, I totally thought this was something everyone knew and... I've gotten a lot of people being like, oh, that's such a funny name. Where did it come from? And as I try to explain it to them, they're like, oh, I've never heard that. And I was like, hmm, well, then we should talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So um, it really is, I mean, it's like more of a psychological theory. Um, and I actually read the book. So my notes are coming from, and I know last episode I said I don't like to read, which I don't. But like, this was like a situation where I was like, I feel like I'm a crazy lady. <laughs> <laughs> I need to read this book to understand why I'm processing things differently than my boyfriend at the time. So, um, I was that person, but so this is a book it's called men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. It's by Bill and Pam Farrell. Um, the theory itself is that men favor compartmentalized processed thinking. Um, men are basically waffles because they have the natural ability to psychologically compartmentalize. Meaning if you look at a walk, a waffle, it has all these different isolated squares or boxes, right? So men are able to take a subject or take a problem and break it down into points to be able to fix the problem or um, think about something a little bit deeper, and we'll go into that. And then on the other side, women are considered spaghetti because of the overlapping nature of the spaghetti symbolizing the women's favoring of psychological and comp in intercon interconnectedness sorry so um (laughs) obviously when you look at a plate of spaghetti it looks like each noodle is touching all the other noodles like it's all connected right so um it just means that we might have a harder time compartmentalizing because everything is connected in our brain um and i want to make a blanket statement that this is this does not pertain to everyone this is just this is a book that I read and it resonated with me because I might react certain ways and you might react certain ways but that doesn't mean that everybody's the same so um you and I happen to be very emotional people yeah but I know so many women that aren't and like maybe would listen to this and be like I don't relate to that at all (laughs) right I'm a waffle and like that's those girls those women those ladies are definitely Definitely out there. I can think of a few, and they're usually the people that I call if I'm like, hey, am I being irrational? Right, right. And they're able to tell me if I am or not. And usually really they're nice. like, yes, Julie. Yeah. Again, again, we've again, gone over this. This is nothing to be upset about. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, the book itself, it's written by Pam and Bill Farrell, um, and I included a little photo there for you, Julie, and I think we should post this pic on our Instagram because they are just adorable. They're, they're the cutest. It's like, you know, those, um, you know, awkward family photos, but they're not awkward. I mean, like they are, but they're not. It's you know like, what I mean? It's like they were like, okay, okay, Pam, 
be silly. Yeah. And yes. Bill was like, oh, Pam. Like, it's, it's it was, a really It was cute definitely photo. taken at a Sears photo center. Yeah, for 100%. sure. 100%. It was taken at Sears. Um, so the book was written from both perspectives. It includes personal stories of, like, arguments or situations that the couple came in contact with throughout their marriage. Um, they still are married, from what I could tell in my research. Um along with ways that they were able to overcome adversity like finances, sex, and much, much more. So um, very interesting book if you're interested in reading that and understanding the psychology behind the ways that you are thinking. Um, I do want to mention um, before anyone goes to research them or read the book, so they do have their own podcast. They do have their own, like, family digest if you will kind of franchise um and a lot of it is written from a christian perspective so just know that going into it um so julie i want you to look at the picture that i sent you and i want you to think about how they've also co-authored another book called the marriage code and red hot monogamy nope red hot nope yes and you know, have, good for them. They, <laughs> good for I applaud that actually. I'm gonna give a good old fashioned round of applause. What are their names? Jim and Pam? Uh, no, uh, sorry, Bill and Pam. Bill and Pam. Sorry, it's <laughs> <laughs> not the office. They have three children and two grandchildren. Aww. And they're writing books called Red Hot Monogamy. Yikes! I love it. But cute though. Um. So I this I'm could still have a Red Hot Monogamy when I have two grandchildren. So. Oh my God. They just That'd look. Be amazing. They just look like when they were sitting down to write that one. He was like, "Okay, Pam, we need something sassy but wholesome." Yikes! Right? <laughs> <laughs> like they're so pure. Yeah. They um. Are. So this could totally be wrong because I I read the book. Bu- I read the book. It was like five years ago. Um. But from what I can remember, one of my favorite little stories in the book was a situation where it was this part of the chapter was actually written from Pam's perspective. And um, she was describing a time where I guess work was very hard on Bill. So he was at work a lot. He wasn't as home as much. So she was kind of getting that like natural, I don't know if insecurity is the right word, but it's like, it's not fun when your significant other isn't home more so than they usually are, right? So um, she was like, I wanna do something special and I wanna like spice this up. And she, like, packed him a lunch and put a note in his lunch that had the address of a hotel. Yeah. She, Pam. Like, I know. My she gosh. Went she, <laughs> she went out and she bought an outfit and she, like, was at the hotel waiting for him. Stop it, Pam. I know. Girl. But it, it's, it's just, it's a great book. It's so I cute. can't wait for people to look at this photo because they're never, they would never guess that Pam oh, I would have those, for sure. those oh my God. Of her sleeves. I don't steaming. know. Yeah, they're steamy hot. I can tell. <sighs> That's anyway. super cute though, honestly. Yeah, so That's it's adorable. a really, it's a really cute book. I mean, there, it's, a lot of it's realistic, you know, depending on communication situations that you might be in. So, um, So basically getting into the nitty and gritty of the theory and just kind of giving you a quick little summary of the book and some of the research that I did. Um, So men are problem solvers by nature. So they, they enter a box, size up the problem and then formulate a solution. Um, In their careers, they consider what it will take to be successful. And then they focus on that. 
but in communication, they look for the bottom line. So when they find it, they get there as quickly as possible. And then in decision-making, they look for an approach they can buy into and apply it as often as possible. A man will strategically organize his life in boxes, like we discussed with the, um, the image of the waffle. So he will then spend most of his time in the boxes in which he feels he is able to succeed. Um, so the strong motivation will lead him to seek out the boxes that work for him, meaning the boxes that he feels like he's most successful. So then he'll ignore the boxes that confuse him or make him feel like a failure or um, inadequate. So men... So, so men and their obsession with feeling inadequate. I cannot. And it's fun. Once again, we're being general here. I'm there, you know, not saying this is all men, but I, and that's, and that's funny you say that because I remember when I was going through premarital counseling with Matt, one of the things that our, um, our leader, or I guess our, what's it called? Your counselor. The counselor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He was our leader. The counselor, um, mentioned was that like it's important for men to feel validated and it was funny because god that sounds exhausting I know and it was funny because that later that night we got home and like we were making dinner and like Matt I think Matt made the protein or something and I made the sides or we were sitting down we were eating anyway and I like complimented him on the I was like oh this is good like that's all I said and then he was like thanks and I was like do you feel validated (laughs) he was like shut up so I mean, it's, it it's, is it's true, though. It's comical. Um, well, and I think like I don't know. Like I grew, up, I grew. Up, I spent most of my adolescence and young adulthood in a family with just a single parent family. My dad passed away when I was fourteen, so my mom just raised me, me and my sister. My sister was kind of going off to college at that point, so she was like very much more raised than I was. I was just entering high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like my my view and like my opinion of like parental roles and like gender roles in a marriage. Like I didn't have a an example that I saw in my day to day life at the point in my life where I was like interested in dating and like thinking about boys and like would be thinking about those things. So it's funny because I think that a lot of this comes from just you know, and this is old fashioned thinking, right? But it is traditionally in the American household, like the man's the provider, the woman is the, you know, the home, uh, homemaker and the caretaker. And those are both very, very important roles. And whatever anybody's family structure looks like is completely valid and wonderful and amazing because it's hard to run a household and to have a family and it's hard to be married. So whatever way you do it that works for you is fantastic. But I think men in general, they have this like predisposed pressure to be like, to be that like provider. And there's a, there's a lot of pressure from like the, the stance of like the finances. Right. And that's like just the old fashioned traditional, like ingrained thing that men probably just the same way as women were like, we have to have the babies or we have to be skinny and have big boobs. Right. And so, I, I mean, maybe that's where that like need of being validated comes from is like they feel that pressure and they need to know that like whatever they're doing is is let's get great. down to business right and, well, and yeah. We, yeah we of course think they're great otherwise we wouldn't have married them in theory right you know you would you would hope but you know it is good for us to remember to tell them they're doing a good job when they make 
the grilled chicken or whatever it is they're doing. I think it was like pork chops, but it sounds yeah. so good. Brandon makes really good pork chops, so oh. yeah, I feel that. So basically, boxes that he is successful in are the ones that he's going to focus on. So he's going to do his best to ignore the ones that he doesn't feel like he's successful in. Um, I remember when I read the book, one thing that really stood out to me was the mention that men tend to decompress with box-shaped items, which is hilarious because I'll get home from work and Matt's playing video games with his friends. Like, he's literally staring at a box to decompress. Oh, that's funny. Like, Brandon's isn't, isn't staring that weird? at TV watching baseball. Right. Huh. So, yeah. That is odd. Um, it, it mentioned a lot of different items that are box-shaped that men tend to spend time in. Like, the garage. It's, yeah. It's a box. Like, I mean, granted, in the book, it was very um, cliche boxes that they were giving you as examples. But, I mean, it, it could it could be anything. Um the basketball court, you know, it's a square. Like, it's just, it's just. It's, I wonder if that's science or a coincidence. I think it's a coincidence. Can, can we not find a box in almost anything, like a square? I and know, lots of things? I, know. I know. Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I think it was just a cute way for them to connect. I really appreciate Pam's, or what's his name again? Phil? Bill, God. Bill. <laughs> I really appreciate um Bill and Pam's attempt though there you're gonna finish your drink and be like Jeffrey yeah (laughs) (laughs) um Clarissa Clarissa so (laughs) men also take um quote-unquote success so they take that approach to communication again so remember while I'm talking about this portion of it with communication remember the idea that he's going to focus on the box that creates success for him um So if a man believes he can successfully talk with his wife and reach a desirable outcome, he will be highly motivated to converse. If, on the other hand, the conversation seems pointless to him, or if he finds understanding his wife impossible, he loses his motivation to talk and then he clams up. So that's why men come up with things to say like is there any point to this conversation is this conversation (laughs) leading anywhere can you just get to the point so these are these are statements that men make out of frustration because they don't know how to make the convert this this particular conversation work with the person they're speaking with so Hmm. um this quote-unquote success drive is why men find it easy to develop hobbies that consume their time if a man finds something he's good at and it makes him feel good about himself and about his life, he's going to stay in that box. But if the conversation is taking him into the box that might confuse him or into the box that might frustrate him because he honestly cannot follow what you're saying or understand why you're bringing it up at that time, he's he's going to cl- literally close the lid on the box. So he can't, he can't leave. Like he's like, I'm going to stay... I'm going to stay in this, the box of success and I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to leave this box because I don't want to not be successful and I'm uncomfortable. existence. I know. But I mean, I think, I think, I think I might be explaining it in a very rigid way though. I mean, to be that, I mean, and I'm really, really motivated by success as well, but right. what I find interesting about what you're saying and like the way that I view it. I will focus on the boxes in which I might be least successful 
in order to improve those things and become more successful in them rather than sticking in the things where it's like, yeah, I know I'm good at this. I can do this. I'm just going to do this. It's like, I almost, I like to go outside of my comfort zone with things. Right. And that's that's maybe could just be me. I don't know. No, I mean, I I think it's, I think it's a lot. I'm sure it's men and women together, I'm sure. But um, they actually go and we do touch on that on the women's side of it. Um, so, but from a, a man's perspective, so success and motivation are A to B connected. Um, yeah. And so, in this, this fact, this little thing that I found in the book actually made me think of you, Julie. So it said, um, for example, fishing becomes an all-consuming pursuit of the right equipment, the right fishing spot, and the right oh friends. God. Oh, my God. Doesn't that just touch your heart? It. <sighs> <laughs> does it touch my heart or does it make me want to slam my head against the wall? A little bit of both. Is Brandon um, home right now? No, he's not. Okay. But he is also going to die laughing when he hears this because it's like. It just you know, made me think of him. I was No, like, it oh, does. And it's so. Yeah. Listen, it's like how many fishing poles do you need? Turns out you need as many fishing poles as you have rod holders in your boat, which it ties to Why? your success because the more hole, the more um, poles you have in the water, the more likely you are to catch a fish. I mean, think about it like that. So it actually, I mean, it does make sense. Are you eating chips? No, I'm I'm giving Murphy a treat because he's being good. Joey, <laughs> he's gonna get fat, but it's fine. He's already there. I know. And it's coronavirus snacking for him. So it's fine. He's a sausage. Okay. Coronavirus is making everyone fat. So. Yeah. <laughs> so the bottom line is that um, men feel best about themselves when they're solving problems. Therefore, they spend most of their time doing what they're best at while they yeah. attempt to ignore the things that cause them to feel deficient or insignificant. So like what you were saying earlier, like, and that's, that's the same for me, how... I can evaluate myself and say, okay, I'm good at this, this, and this. I need to work on X, Y, Z. Right. Um, so I'm going to focus on the X, Y, Z. That's not what men are are naturally, from a psychological standpoint, going to do. Interesting. Um, is what this book is saying. So moving on to the, the ladies, um, we're just a big, big old plate of nudes, honest, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> At least I am. I'm I'm yeah. a big, big, big plate of noodles. So, um, if you, so basically, if you were to attempt to follow one noodle around the plate, you would intersect with a lot of other noodles, and you might even seamlessly switch to another noodle um, without blinking an eye. So you might switch your train of thought, or switch what you're being emotional about, or switch um, where your focus is very quickly. But that's how women it's a the book said that's how women face life and i'm like is it weird for me to say i feel like i'm not like waking up every every day and being like i'm facing life i'm not (laughs) i'm taking it on like i'm just waking up and moving from the bed to the couch right now exactly like i'm not really i'm like oh man this is like reminding me that i shouldn't have pasta that's really all that it is so um every thought and issue connects to every other thought and issue in some way is basically what this means. So life is much more of a process for women than it is for men because the intersection of these thoughts complicates things, right? So for me, um, I grew up being a, what they call a disastrous thinker. So Yeah, same. <laughs> so Relatable. typically, I tr- no matter how hard I try to have a positive outlook on situations in some scenarios, 
things pop into my head that might be mm-hmm. negative or unrelated to the task at hand. So, I mean, you also, I, I might just be undiagnosed ADD. So anyone that's out there that is in this field, if you want to diagnose me, message me. So um, basically as a result, women are typically better at multitasking than men, which yeah. I don't know that I'm a great multitasker. Um, I mean, I am like when they, okay. So the example that they're about to give, like, yes, I can do this here. I'll read it to you. And then we can discuss. So, um, a woman can talk on the phone, prepare a meal, make a shopping list, work on the agenda for tomorrow's business meeting, give instructions to her children, AKA my dog, as they are going out to play what and close the door with her foot without skipping a beat. And I'm just, you could do that. And it says, because all her thoughts, emotions, and convictions are connected, she's able to process more information and keep track of more activities. So I'm going to combat this statement because I have learned countless times, and Julie, you have been a phone witness to this countless times, that, like, I'll go into Publix on the phone with you or, like, my sister, and I I have to force myself to get off the phone because I know if I don't and I'm distracted while I'm shopping... I will forget at least four things on my list. How motivated are you in those moments, though? That's like, true. I have to get this done, like, or is it just like, mm, I'm at Publix and I have a list and I'm just here, but I'm bored, so I want to talk on the phone. It's the second one for sure. Yeah, because so I that think could be why, because I'm like that too. Because <clears throat> I think in my head, I mean, before quarantine, I, it was like, I can just come back and get something if I need it. But it wasn't in my head at the time in Publix. I think my subconscious was saying that. In my head at the time at Publix, I'm like, I need these things. Right. But I'm not. But I'm also going to the grocery store after work. Well, no one should so, ever shop while on the phone at the grocery store because you'll also spend way more money than you need to. Just a tip. I mean, if you're like us and you get distracted, got to stay focused. I find that going to the grocery store sober is also a really good key. Yeah, don't go hungry, don't go tipsy, and don't go distracted. You To not overspend on your groceries is – we should really just do a whole episode on that, too. Well, we want really to do an episode on Target, remember? Oh, yes. How to go into Target and actually get what you need and leave without spending, like, $100. I don't know how to do that, so hopefully you'll be doing that episode because I, I can't. I can't do it. You probably can, though. I don't know. I don't, I don't we'll, we'll look out there and see if there's any women. We might have to find that. somebody that we know that could do yeah. that. Um, <laughs> so as a result, most women pursue connecting life together. Um, they want to complete some things, but kind of try to do it all at the same time and keep everything even keel. Um, they solve problems, but from a much different perspective than men. So women consistently sense the need to talk things through. Um, <clears throat> totally me. In conversation, a woman can link together the logical, emotional, relational, and spiritual aspects of the issue. So the links come come to her naturally, so the conversation is effortless to her, which I don't find true all the time. Like, if if it's a situation where I'm going to be talking through an emotional subject... It's not always going to be effortless. Well, and I think that that's, that comes back to, like, you and I are particularly emotional people. Mm-hmm. And, like, um, I – sometimes to me, my emotions feel a little bit like a roadblock in being able to think rationally. So if I'm trying to solve a problem that's a little less emotional, like, like my uh, – last week, my AC had a problem. And, like, I had to solve that problem. 
there was like no emotion related to you know my air conditioning unit breaking it was like okay like just got to get this done you know I did go through like all of those little compartments like you just said kind of like identifying what needed to be done and I got it done um but I think when you have a problem or a conflict with a lot of emotion tied to it it's like I personally like my brain gets stuck in that negative emotion or that or anxious it was real normally it's something yeah. that makes me anxious it's like I can't get past it that's when I do have to call you or call another friend and like bless my friends I have so many friends like that I I don't know how people put up with me calling them with my issues and like I have friends that will stand the phone with me for like two hours and just get me through the conversation and talk to me and like give me the best possible advice and I like I have the most amazing friends on the planet like you included that will help me get through those things because like you're saying if I am emotional, like I, I struggle to talk through it and to get past the emotion to make a rational choice on how I need to solve my problem. Right. Um, and that actually kind of goes into the next subject with it because it says, um, the notes that I wrote from the book, it says if, um, if she connects all the issues together, the answer to the question at hand bubbles to the surface and is readily accepted. But that, that answer isn't always a positive one, right? So this often creates significant stress for couples because when um, the woman is making all the connections, the man is frantically jumping boxes, right? He's jumping from box to box within that waffle, trying to keep up with the conversation. So, and this was funny, so I wrote it down. The man's eyes are rolling back in his head while a tidal wave of information is swallowing him up. Yeah. Um, when she's done, she, she feels better, but he's overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, That sounds really familiar. Right. So one subject that's huge is the communication piece because, because of the differences between men and women's way of processing information, communication can be difficult sometimes. Um, and then they gave, they, (laughs) they gave an example of a conversation at home. Right. And I was reading it and it was like Joan and Fred and I was dying laughing at it. Like I like read it out loud to Matt and he was like, no, you can't say that out loud. So <laughs> I actually, Julie, I turned it into a conversation between you and Brandon. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Um, Julie gets home and says, hey, babe, how was your day? I had a good day today. I found a new shower curtain on clearance at Target. And I, and I know we said we weren't going to, we were going to wait until next week to buy anything else for the house, but this was a major sale, so I just did it. I had to ask the Target associate to look in the back for a different color, and they ended up having the gray one that I originally saw online, so I was like, it's fate. I also feel like tacos are the right thing for dinner tonight. I happened to find a recipe online yesterday, and then I remembered we had some tortillas in the pantry that we really need to eat, so it just made the most sense. Also, Murphy is so lucky to have you for a dad. Did you remember that John and Melanie need us to babysit tomorrow night? I think it's important that we bring Murphy over there because he really needs to get used to being around the baby since my sister's due later this year. John and Melanie really deserve a night out. I'm really glad that we're here to help them. As Did you Julie make that is ex- up? Yes. As Julie is exploring this conversation, Brandon is getting lost. He has no idea what the new shower curtain has to do with Murphy going to John and Melanie's house tomorrow night because, because Julie's sister is pregnant. He admires her ability to connect seemingly unrelated thoughts, but he just can't seem to understand how she does it. You get an A plus for that example because I that sounds exactly like something I would say. Yeah. And Brandon probably would be like, okay. <laughs> That's literally his response to be like, okay. All right. 
<laughs> Whatever you say. Whatever makes you happy. Oh, God bless him. Yeah, I know. He's pretty good like that, usually. So That's really funny. Yeah. And so honestly, those are all my notes, out of, actually. Hearing it come out of your mouth is funny because, like, I can hear myself saying it, but also hearing you say it is confusing. Even though it totally sounds like something I would say. Was it a tidal wave of information that you it just It was a tidal process? wave of information. <laughs>